What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the HoopsHype podcast. On today's episode, the Athletics Minnesota Timberwolves beat writer John Krasinski joins me to discuss whether Carl Anthony Towns could be traded this offseason, what Alex Rodriguez joining the team as an owner means for the organization looking ahead. We'll touch on Tom Thibodeau, Anthony Edwards, the number one overall pick, and a lot more. John, appreciate you hopping on the line with me, brother. How are you? Oh, my pleasure, brother. Anytime. Uh, For those who don't know, John, definitely one of my favorite former colleagues that I've worked with. Good dude. And if you're a Minnesota Timberwolves fan, he owns that beat. Uh, So make sure you're following him and keeping up with his work. Now, as far as this team, John... It's been, I'll say this, even though they haven't done well record-wise, they've been an interesting team. A lot of stuff in the news with them lately. Um, The first thing I want to get to is the face of their franchise, Carl Anthony Towns, as I touched on in the open. Uh, Carl, recently we heard his name come up a little bit in trade chatter. Maybe more speculation is the word as opposed to trade chatter. But recently Eric Pincus wrote on Bleacher Report how other executives are looking closely at Towns. And granted, all teams look at star players on other teams. But one quote that I thought that was interesting in his story was an executive told him, quote, the cat wanting to be elsewhere chatter increased drastically over the year. You're around that team as much as anyone. And you've dealt with Carl as much as anyone. From your standpoint, what do you think currently is the mindset of Carl Anthony Towns when it comes to this Timberwolves team? Yeah, Mike, I mean, I'll say that, first of all, I, I do understand why plenty of executives around the league are monitoring the situation closely. I mean, Towns has been in Minnesota now for six years. He's only made the playoffs one year. Um, the team in general has really struggled the past couple of years. And, you know, he went through injuries. He's gone through losing his mother and, and some other family members to COVID. It's just been a kind of a miserable existence, really, uh, for the last few years. That said, uh, from everything that I've been able to glean from the town, from towns, from his camp, from the Timberwolves themselves, I don't think there's anything imminent in terms of any kind of a trade request or things of that nature. He's got three years left on his contract, which obviously the Timberwolves want to keep a player of his talent around. He has shown as the year has gone on, even more maturity as a leader. I think that he's playing really well on both ends of the floor. And from what I can gather, Mike, there's an appreciation that Towns has for what the organization has done in terms of helping him through all of the grief that he has suffered over this last year. And so he's got D'Angelo Russell here, his good buddy. He really does like Anthony Edwards a lot. He kind of envisions himself as a big brother to Edwards and kind of helping him along in his development. And so um, you you never say never with these things, Mike, you know, you're always going to be watching this, but um all the all the indications are like on the ground here in Minnesota is that Towns is comfortable here and he he likes his surroundings. He obviously wants to win, like he wants to get back to the playoffs and he wants to be doing that. But 
they are playing better of late, and I think that they can see a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. Earlier in the year, when they were really struggling, when Ryan Saunders was getting fired, when they were just not winning at all, I think it was a little bit more of a of a dire circumstance. But the progress that they have shown as this season has come to a close, I think has relieved some of that tension. So I would be really, really surprised if this summer sometime either town says, I have to go, please trade me, or the Wolves look to move on from him. I think they're going to keep trying to build around this core that they have right here. Yeah, and as of you know, uh, a couple of days ago, uh, D'Angelo Russell and town started together, I think it was the fifth time, that's it since uh, he was acquired with with Towns and, and you know you talked about Carl having some injuries uh, D'Angelo Russell uh, Dilo's had some trouble as well staying on the court for Minnesota they haven't had a chance to really get to play together so that's a, a missing variable here one thing I would say as far as the uh, Towns talk so uh, you know recently Carmelo Anthony moved into the top 10 all time on the, on the NBA scoring list. And, you know, Towns was asked about him and, you know, he spoke glowingly about Carmelo and his time with the Knicks. And he said he made it cool to be a Nick. And, you know, with that in mind, I'll always remember uh, someone close to Towns who would tell me for years that, you know, one day he'd love to be a Nick. And, you know, I remember his dad being at MSG when Leon Rose, uh, the Knicks president, who was Towns' former agent, got the job and it was his first day at the Garden on the job. And, you know, I, I will say that to your point about other executives around the league keeping tabs on Towns, and obviously that makes a ton of sense, but other executives around the league have always felt that the Knicks would try to land a star in this league that's with CAA due the, to the ties that Leon Rose has obviously working there previously before he took the job with the Knicks. And I will say that, as you mentioned, it's something you always can monitor. And with the Knicks, for example, uh, they have the pieces to go out and try to get. It doesn't have, even have to be Carl Towns. It could be another star they you know they've got Mitch Robinson a young center they've got RJ Barrett who's a nice young player and they've got their draft picks if needed as well so for me if Carl Towns at some point is on the trade block I would definitely look at the New York Knicks to be among several teams around the league who will make a pitch for him for sure yeah I mean I you know I look at it as uh, of course, that they should be interested. I mean, Leon has a long relationship with Towns. He was Towns' agent um, with Jess Holtz, and 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 so there's that. You know, uh, uh, Kenny Payne is on Thibodeau's staff, and they uh, Towns and Kenny Payne are very close from their Kentucky days. Um, certainly, World Wide West. All, all there's a lot of connections there. One interesting element to it would be the the Tom Thibodeau factor. Um, you know, he and Towns didn't exactly see eye to eye when he was in Minnesota. <clears throat> Excuse me. It wasn't like they were at each other's throats or anything, but they just never were on the same page. And so it would just be interesting to see how a reunion like that would work. I do know that, you know, the Knicks fandom in, in the Towns family is real. Like, that's obvious. Um, but, um, you know, is that kind of like, a you know, something that is absolutely 
what Towns wants. I don't know. He's talked here in the last you know month or so about wanting to have a legacy in Minnesota and wanting to be the guy that turns this team around. And, and so I do think like he understands that he has an organization here that really values him and caters to him and empowers him to be the leader in the face of the franchise. And he understands that he likes that responsibility and, um, and going somewhere else is, you know, you never know the grass is not always greener. So, um, Ultimately, though, Mike, what it comes down to is, it uh, will the Timberwolves put a winning team around Carl Anthony Towns? And if they don't, eventually he will go. If they do, I think he will stay for a long, long time. Um, and and so I don't think that this summer is the be all and end all for it. I think he's got one more year at least of of kind of really kind of seeing how this is all going to work out. And, you know, if, if, if they go into next season and if it just doesn't work, um, if they're back in the lottery again, back at the bottom of the Western conference, then I really could see, you know, kind of this whole thing coming to a head. Um, but I, I just think it's a little early for that right now. Um, but you're right. If, you know, if he becomes available very you know, via trade, I think you you would see several teams lining up. I don't think the Knicks honestly have the assets to get him. Like, I don't think RJ Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, and whatever picks that they're going to have, you know, since they're not going to be in the lottery, is going to be good enough for Carl Anthony Towns, who's one of the best offensive players in the league and has three years left on his deal. I mean, I would the team that I would watch is Golden State. Like that's. You know, that's the team that maybe, you know, they need veterans around Steph Curry and not their young pieces and maybe, you know, lottery picks and things like that. But again, I do not think that's going to happen. I don't think that that the Wolves are going to trade Carl Anthony Towns. I don't I haven't I haven't seen anything to say that Towns wants to be traded. So um we'll have to see how it all plays out, but uh but eventually the Wolves will be on the clock with him and they know that. And so it's kind of like a, it's a put up or shut up time for, for the Wolves, not just like immediately, but certainly going into next season. I believe that's the timeline timeline that I'm looking at. It's interesting that you brought up the Warriors because obviously they have James Weissman. They could potentially have uh, another decent draft pick as well. And uh, you, you look at them and, He'd be interesting for their core because he's still young, but he's an older veteran that can. I mean, it's kind of weird to call Towns a veteran now, but I, I would. He's had enough time in the league where he's not a pup anymore. Um, but he would be interesting for their core. You know, with the Knicks, they're always going to shoot their shot and and look to get a star certainly around the league. And you know, it depends. You know, I don't know if many people thought necessarily the Nets had the best package especially in terms of their draft picks as well to get a guy like Harden but it ended up happening you know sometimes the stuff behind the scenes and and a little bit of the politics of the league you know and those relationships play a role as well um but as you touched on certainly it's going to be dependent all of this on whether they can build around Carl and you know Chris Finch when he got the job made it clear they're going to run the offense through Carl and and they've certainly done that um you know, with D'Angelo Russell, that's always kind of been the missing variable, uh, whether he can stay on the floor and be healthy with them. Because then, 
they've to your point, they've played better with him, and Anthony Edwards has started to progress a little bit. Uh, you know, with that said, then you know, as you look towards the off season with Minnesota now, and uh, and another finish at the bottom of the West at this point, what could you see them doing in terms of, uh, you know, trade talks and and with their own draft pick as of now? Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously they hope that they get the top, you know, one of the top three picks because not only is it a great draft at the top, but if they don't land in the top three, Golden State gets their, their draft pick as part of the Wiggins and D'Angelo Russell trade. And so, um, that's their big chip because they're paying max money to Russell and Towns. They're paying Ricky Rubio a lot of money. They're paying uh, Malik Beasley some decent money. So they don't have a much wiggle room under the salary cap uh, under to 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 really work to go get free agents. It's also a place that's really struggled historically to recruit free agents. So um, so that's an issue that they would have to deal with. I think in terms of trades, you know. I, again, I don't think Towns is going anywhere, um, but you know, it, you could watch it and you could see possibly Ricky Rubio moving in the last year of his deal if they can find a suitor for him. But he's making seventeen million dollars a year, so that's that's going to be interesting to see if something happens there. Mo, I think Malik Beasley is their biggest trade chip because he is on a good contract. He has really performed well when he has been on the court. He has some off the court issues that um, that teams would have to be comfortable with, but in terms of production, in terms of youth, in terms of of value, he's the guy that could go. They, they could package with someone else or a pick or something, and go get you know a a real um, you know plus asset for, to bring in. Otherwise, you know you're talking about Jared Culver, Josh Okoge, Jake Wayman, like guys who you know, have some value maybe, but not anything that would really be a transformative type of a situation if they were to make a deal. So I do think that Gerson Rosas will be aggressive in trying to make trades and trying to reconfigure the roster even further to um, to maximize Towns, Russell, and Edwards. And Jaden McDaniels, let's not forget about him. He's been a really a, a really nice uh, addition um, for for them. But, um, but it, you know, they don't have a ton of really attractive assets that they want to move and they don't have a whole lot of money to spend in free agency. So they're, they're going to have their work cut out for them this summer. You, you know, you touched on some of the assets that they have and Malik Beasley, certainly a guy that around the league, I think has interest. And uh, you touched on McDaniels too. He, Tim Bowles definitely got calls on him at the trade deadline and uh, were, reluctant and I think that's putting it uh nicely they did not want to move him they you know Gerson definitely values him uh in terms of a guy that could be a part of that core looking ahead especially being that he's a such a younger guy um now that said also when you look at at this team uh you know you're talking about Gerson being aggressive I wonder how much and I, I want to get your thoughts on this in particular uh as you've certainly uh, been around Glenn Taylor for a long time. Now, with A-Rod set uh, and and the new ownership to come in, uh, Alex Rodriguez, hopefully Anthony Edwards knows who he is now. I think he's got a little bit of an idea. I think he's a funny kid when he talks about him like that. But uh, with, with, with Alex Rodriguez and the new ownership group coming in, uh, 
What does that mean for the direction of this organization? Do you think in the near future, do you think maybe that puts pressure on Gerson to, I don't know if I want to say dramatically improve the team in a year, but really get them moving forward towards the the playoff picture again? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I honestly think, Mike, that there's pressure on Gerson because he's going into year three and the first two years have not been productive from a win standpoint. Um, you know, it, regardless of new ownership and, you know, they're still working on that deal and they're hoping to close it. And I, I expect it to get done, but it's not officially done yet. But, um, you know, when Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie, if and when they join the ownership group, they are going to be initially um, limited partners or minority owners uh, to Glenn Taylor, who's going to retain majority control for two years, which means that. It's good for Gerson Rosas because Glenn Taylor hired Gerson Rosas. And so there's a chance that he's going to have an advocate in the big chair to keep him around in the short term. Um, and, and so I think like that is kind of easing a little bit of the nerves um, for the front office, for the coaching staff, for things like that, because they do have Glenn Taylor in. And Alex Lor- uh, Rodriguez and Mark Laurie are kind of expected to come in and really take some time to evaluate and get acclimated to this organization before they advocate for sweeping big changes. But there's no question that going into next season, it's going to be go time for the Wolves to be competitive. Now, it doesn't mean they got to be the four seed and they got to be winning first round playoff series and things like that, but they do really need to show market improvement from a competitive standpoint to be in the playoff hunt to really show, you know, both Rodriguez and Lori, but also Glenn Taylor that, hey, we have the right plan and we are making progress toward becoming a sustainable winner. They also have to show Carl Towns that. And they have to really show that, hey, look, Kat, we can be the team that you spend the bulk of your career with because we're making the right moves and we're doing the right things to position you to be competitive for a long time. And and so I think that's where the pressure lies more so than any, you know, than looking at just the ownership group and saying, hey, we got to prove ourselves to these guys. I think that they have to prove themselves across the league that way. They've done some really, they've made some really good moves in the draft. Uh, the Beasley signing at first was panned, but looks like it's going to be uh, going to work out very well. But they've also had some misses with Jarrett Culver. Um, you know, D'Angelo Russell is starting to play better, but was, was, uh, was not playing well earlier on in, 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 in things. And so that trade was not looking good. I think it's balancing out a little bit more now, but uh, they just have a lot to get going on. They have to get some momentum going in the right direction. And I do think going into next year, I mean, they, they've got to be in the hunt for that eight seed or maybe even a little bit higher and at least just show that they're starting to build a winner here for everyone who is going to be keenly watching this thing. Yeah, and you touched on Jarrett Culver. He's a guy that, you know, depending on who you talk to around the league, certain executives, they think that uh, he can be had. So it'll be interesting to see. In the, oh, he definitely can be. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. In the offseason. And, and, you know, with a guy like that, it's interesting. You know, certain teams will look at a guy like that and, hey, maybe it didn't work out there. But, you and you know, this teams always keep tabs on guys that they scout, whether it's through college and into the draft. And then if they have a chance to get them, to do their due diligence and see if they think they can be 
I don't want to necessarily say everybody's a reclamation project, but you know, turn it around for a guy. It's not as dramatic of a of a step up for a lot, for all those guys. So he'll be a name to watch for sure. Um, you touched on uh, the job at hand coming up for Gerson. Um, you know, I, I do want to go back to Tibbs for a second. You know, Tom Thibodeau. You touched on the relationship with him and Cat, and now Tibbs in New York. Um, you know, we, we've seen this before where he comes in and is able to change the culture of a, of a team. Uh, you know, he did it with Minnesota. He got them to the playoffs, um, which, you know, for that organization, given the way they've played the past 15 years or so, uh, was no small step. So I, I almost wondered if, you know, from afar, Carl Anthony Towns was looking at that and saying, wow, like, you know, maybe we didn't click, but that's the kind of coach that maybe is needed to to get the the most. Like I, I'll say this, John, from 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 my perspective, when the two of them first got together, I thought that Carl Anthony Towns, given his shot blocking ability and rebounding ability, could one day contend for a defensive player of the year type of award just because he has the tools to do it. Now I know he carries a huge weight on offense, much more so than a guy like a Rudy Gobert or a you know a Miles Turner, for example. But um I, I just wondered if like that looking at it from Minnesota's perspective, from two things. And number one, um if they almost didn't realize how good they had it in a sense with Tibbs in, in some aspects, uh given that he was able to make them competitive and, and a playoff team and if Carl Anthony Towns maybe has a different perspective on him, uh, given that you said they didn't always see eye to eye, not necessarily Rocky, but not eye to eye either. Yeah. I mean, look, I think if you talk to a lot of the old Bulls players like Joe Kim Noah, like Jimmy Butler, even um, like several of the guys that played for him, they always said that at first they didn't really, you know, they didn't care too much for Tibbs and it wasn't until they kind of grew up and maybe played for some other coaches and stuff that they really appreciated what Tibbs brought to the table um, in that regard. So it's, it's possible that that Towns could feel that way. No, there's no doubt about that. I think the biggest key for Tibbs in New York versus Minnesota, and, you know, he's done a terrific job with the Knicks. I mean, he's been amazing and they've been one of the best stories in the league. But the big key has been that he's just the coach there, that he has so much help around him from a front office standpoint, from, you know, to handle the day-to-day, you know, daily basketball operations things um, that he did not have here in Minnesota. I mean, you know, Leon Rose, they have a great trust relation, trusting relationship with Tibbs. So Tibbs trusts him to do what needs to be done from a personnel standpoint, uh, worldwide West is you know, this charismatic dude that can relate to players that can, um, that, that has huge contacts with coaches and, and with so many people around the league that is, you know, one of the long time, big time operators in the NBA. Um, and you know, he's got, he's got you know, Scott Perry's, there's all sorts of guys that are there to help Tibbs do the things that he is not, that, that are not strengths for him. In Minnesota, Scott Layden was never the guy who was going to be a, a, a strong GM to Tibbs as president. And 
And so that's what kind of stifled things here in Minnesota is that there was just this kind of weight on everything all the time because Tibbs really sort of just lorded over not only the coaching staff and the team, but the front office. And so um, they have just, the Knicks have done such a better job of surrounding him with talent that can help uh, from, you know, from an executive standpoint, the coaching staff, um, all of that, um, that he did not have here. And that's why it's working. He can just focus on being the coach on doing whatever it takes to win in that night's game. And it's working beautifully. He had too much responsibility here in Minnesota. It was, he was not capable of being the politician that you need to be when your title is president of basketball operations. And he really, really, really mishandled the Jimmy Butler trade situation. And that's why he got fired. And, and so, um, you know, that's just, that, that's the nature of it. So does that change things for towns long-term? I don't know. Um, I don't know how that works, but again, I, I just don't see any reason for towns to pull the plug on this thing on the wolves right now, because he has teammates. He likes, I think he's respects coach Finch for the way that he is already kind of implementing things that maximize the team's ability to win. He has a trust with, with Rosas and with the front office and like everything is going his direction here right now, except for the wins. And, and I think he believes that those are going to start coming now that he and D'Angelo Russell are healthy and playing together. You know, it's, you brought up some interesting points about Tibbs' time. I mean, now, uh, fair to say at minimum that this guy is a strong coach of the year candidate. Uh, given the job he's done with the Knicks. But what what I always thought was interesting was this Knicks team is relatively young um, overall. Yes, they do have some veterans there. Don't get me wrong, but they're, they're core guys that they needed to develop. You know, the Mitch Robinsons, the R.J. Barrett's of, of the team, those guys, they've responded well to him. I felt better than some of the younger guys did in Minnesota. And you know, while Jimmy Butler was a Chicago Bull disciple of Tibbs and and really changed his game, you're kind of seeing that a little bit with uh, another veteran guy and uh, Julius Randle, who has taken his game to a completely different level. Um, you know, it used to be in years past, Julius Randle used to be a black hole in the sense that he would get the ball and his head was down, and that was it. He was going to score. Now. Julius has become quite a playmaker for them, an improved three-point shooter. It's it's been wonderful to see uh, the growth that he has made, and and for Tibbs, it's it's been interesting to see him thrive and uh, a place that he always wanted to coach. And I know personally, he this is uh, as far as the groups that he's coached. It's a different group, but it's a group that a young group that he enjoys coaching because they adhere to it and. You know, they they take his teachings and they try to put it on the court as quickly as possible. Um, any coach is going to appreciate that. Um, with that said, though, going back to Minnesota, you know, you touched on how Carl feels like maybe he could be a big brother to Anthony Edwards, who Anthony Edwards is probably one of the most quotable guys in the NBA and, and a funny guy at that. He's got a great personality. Uh, he's also a contender for the Rookie of the Year award. It's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out with LaMelo. So with that in mind, I wanted to get your thoughts on where you see Anthony Edwards in the Rookie of the Year race right now and 
uh, him as a as, as a person is is he just that uh, is he is he funny or is he serious sometimes when he talks and really believes some of the things like he'll say about you know that he could have been a baseball player and and not knowing a rod have you been able to gauge his personality at all? Yeah, I mean he's I mean he's magnetic as a personality. I mean every, his teammates love him. I mean everyone fans who listen to him talk love him. It, 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 you can't not smile when you're when you're having a conversation with him and he really kind of opens up and and gets you back because he's he's totally honest. He is like he did not know Alex Rodriguez um, at all, and um, you know he does believe that he could have been a Pro Bowl caliber defensive back um, in, in the NFL, or he could have played baseball if he wanted, um, you know, whatever he has this supreme confidence of, you know, that is kind of infectious and he does believe it. He's not just playing games that way. Um, he just is like, he doesn't take any of this too seriously in terms of like the media portion of things. He just, he says what's on his mind and, and that's it. And so, you know, some of it is, you know, funny and, 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 and lighthearted and, and all of that. But then there are times you can see where the losing wears on him, or if he makes a mistake defensively and, and the team loses the game, he takes that hard. I mean, I think that the one thing that I've learned the most about Anthony Edwards this season is, as you know, Mike, like he came into the draft and there were real questions about, does he love the game? You know, does he take this seriously? Is, you know, is he going to put the work in? And this guy, I mean, he absolutely loves to play basketball. And you talk to the coaches, he's always in the gym. He wants to get better. There's a hunger there that he has. He is, you know, there was kind of the the lazy kind of comparison was, is this Andrew Wiggins 2.0 in terms of another guy that's just not that competitive, doesn't really kind of take it seriously. It's just here because he's super athletic and can, and can do it. This is not Andrew Wiggins 2.0. I mean, this guy is going to be a monster in this league when he kind of figures things out. And he is putting in the work. Um, he is blossoming over this since the All-Star break. I mean, you know, the other night uh, against Memphis, 42 points, 8 for 9 from 3, going to the basket. He's got so many things in his bag from an offensive standpoint and shot making, driving, uh, playmaking for others. Like you, you, you just look at him and he's 19 years old and he, and the sky is really the limit for this kid. I mean, he can, if, if the wolves do the right job of developing him, if they get him the right coaching in the off season to just work on his game and, and, and improve, uh, you know, kind of continue to add to his body as well. I mean, you're going to be looking at eventually a few years down the road, one of the very elite scorers in this league and just an unbelievably difficult player to handle on the offensive end. Uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see with him. I, you know, I got to ask you before I, I let you go, you touched on Wiggins for a second. And I was curious being around both Wiggins as a player and a person and the fan base in Minnesota, the, the numbers that the guy put up, like, you know, when he came in, people – you know, would throw out like Tracy McGrady comparisons. I remember when he was like coming into the league and like it, it didn't pan out cause you thought like he would be an all-star given his athletic ability and, and, you know, obviously being a number one pick. 
Um, what what I want to ask you is, how would you define kind of his time there in in Minnesota? Because you know, you look at his numbers. I I, I don't think you can call him a bust. You know, I think anybody that ever Definitely says that, I think anybody that says that is just you know you're reaching there hard. But um, there was another level that I felt like it didn't hit. Uh, so I was curious your perspective on that. Yeah, I, I think that's her. He's definitely not a bust. I mean, he when he was here, I think he topped. He scored forty points in a game like seven times or something like that. Um, he he's had he had some monster nights here, and there were games that he played where you saw all of the natural ability harnessed and and channeled in the right direction, and he was legitimately great. Um, we didn't see enough of it, obviously. Now, here's the, the, the big issue that he ran into here in Minnesota, and first of all, like there's no better person in the NBA than Andrew Wiggins. Like His teammates absolutely love him. He is the coolest, easygoingest guy. He's a family guy, dotes on his, father, uh, on his daughter, just like, in just the nicest kid ever. Um, so nothing bad to say about him that way. Uh, never griped or complained about anything during his time here, whether it was losing, whether it was maybe treatment from fans who wanted more, anything like that. He just went to work and, and went home. Um, but the problem that he faced here is that he was the number one overall pick. He was traded for Kevin Love, um, and he was being counted on to be a franchise savior, to be the guy that night in and night out was the dynamic player that filled it up on, on offense that played great defense that really changed the course of, of a franchise. And he got the max money contract. He got all of that stuff. He had, he had the rookie of the year. Um, and it really turns out that that just Wiggins is not that player. He's not your franchise player. And, and so he can be a good player. He's a good player here. He's, a, he's been a good player in Golden State. Um, when he's around teammates that are more talented than him, he can be a great supporting role player on a team and be your number three or four option um, and, and really help you. But if you need him to carry the load, if you need him to be the guy that says, follow me, I'm dragging this team to the playoffs, that's just not Andrew Wiggins. That's not in his character. There's too many games where he would just be kind of floating through it. And he just doesn't have that killer instinct, that, that personality about him. He's had a really good season in Golden State because they don't need him to be that guy. They have Steph Curry. And when they get Klay Thompson back, they'll have him as well. Draymond Green helps a lot with the leadership and all that. Um, so he's just a, he's a good player in this league. That's who he is. He's just not franchise, multi-time all-star uh, guy that the Timberwolves needed him to be. Nothing wrong with that overall. And I mean, certainly appreciated your feedback on that, you know, because you've been a guy that's been entrenched in that Minnesota community for a long time. And w- with that in mind, what uh, what can the listeners expect to see from you coming up that they might want to check out and read on The Athletic? Yeah, so um, I just uh, published a story. On, we're recording this on Friday. I put one out on Friday, a profile of Mark Laurie, who, you know, look, everyone knows who A-Rod is. 
um, Lori is Alex Rodriguez's partner in, in this um, ownership uh, situation that, that's, that's going on as they're negotiating with Glenn Taylor. And he's got a really interesting backstory. He's this entrepreneur who kind of has built several businesses and sold them for big money. He's, you know, he's, uh, he, he was a track star. He's a guy who, you know, raced Jerry Rice and beat him like just a lot of fun. So it's a, it's a really cool profile. Um, we're, there will also be some stuff coming up on Carl Anthony Towns and, and Andrew, or excuse me, and Anthony Edwards next week. Um, just kind of some profile things as this team gets, winds down in the final five, six, seven games of the season, prepares for the off season and kind of sets the stage for that. So there'll be some good stuff uh, on the athletic if people can subscribe and check it out. I'm looking forward to that. And, you know, appreciate you hopping on the line as always, John. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks for having me, Mike. All right. My pleasure, brother. And I also want to thank everyone else for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoops High podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members such as John Krasinski. You can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can also keep up with my tweets on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following John, too. He's John Krasinski. That's at J-O-N-K-R-A-W-C-Z-Y-N-S-K-I. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best. 